Let's start today with the U.S.-Mexico border. No matter how many times the right wingers say it, the U.S.-Mexico border is not open under Joe Biden. Now, you might be saying, David, of course it's not open. How could anyone believe that it is open? There are millions of people based on polling that believe the border is open under Joe Biden as a result of some change or series of changes that were put in place when Donald Trump left and when Joe Biden became the president of the United States. This is not true, and we're going to look at it right now. And the reason we're going to look at it is it's good to once get everything on the record so that in the future, when this talking point comes up, when the MAGA people call me on the Friday show and they say, but the border is open, that's one of the problems I have with Joe Biden. We can now create a record, a reference point to go through the various elements of this, because this is a I would call it relatively common assertion perpetuated by right wing media, by right wing politicians, and it is flowing down to just random right wing voters. The claims are numerous. One of the claims that's often used to say the border is open is you will hear things like we're catching so many people at the border because Biden opened it by definition. If we are catching people, if we are stopping people, if we are taking people into custody, by definition, the border is not open. Now, when you want to look at has policy changed, have numbers changed? Is there something tangible, maybe with the wall or with border agents that Joe Biden has changed? You find that very little has actually changed. The Biden administration has increased the capacity of shelters and processing centers at the border to better manage the flow of migrants. But that's not evidence of an open border. It's evidence of being able to more quickly and more efficiently say who is merely crossing illegally and needs to be put into sort of the deportation flow and who is seeking asylum and needs to be put into that bureaucratic process. Neither of those are evidence that the border is open. In addition to that, there are border security claims. Biden demolished border security. There's no evidence of that. And you can find each aspect of this widely documented by the relevant agencies. Funding requests for Customs and Border Protection under Biden are almost identical to under Trump when it comes to how much money is being requested by the respective administrations for border security in general. Staffing levels when you say, oh, well, Trump had way more border patrol than Biden. That's absolutely not the case. U.S. Border Patrol staffing levels were slightly higher under Obama, around twenty one thousand total. Under Trump, they were in the 19,000 range, plus or minus a few hundred border agents. Under Biden, they're in that same 19,000 range, plus or plus or minus a few hundred. So staffing levels identical, funding requests essentially identical. Um, beyond that, what about policy? What about policy on turning people around or taking asylum requests or whatever the case may be? Border authorities, you may be shocked to hear under Biden are enforcing immigration laws just like under Trump. Immigrants continue to be expelled, detained or allowed in based on the same standard as to whether they are passing initial screenings and what exactly their business in the United States is. The Biden administration, although they did stop construction of the wall, 
few hundred miles of wall. Uh, the Biden administration is repairing all existing border barriers, adding detection technology to make it easier for Border Patrol to identify where do we need to go. I'm not even telling you these things because I like or dislike them. I'm just telling you what the truth is about border policy. It is absolutely the case that Biden hasn't added any new barriers, which I think is the right policy because the wall was quite a silly idea. But Joe Biden is fully funding the repair of existing barriers that were already there. Okay, so you have two groups of people. You have people that are coming to, quote, sneak in as the traditional illegal immigration is sort of characterized. And then you have people coming to seek asylum. Uh, And then in addition to that, you do have people who are coming over for work legally uh, or coming over for work illegally, but then going back to Mexico. There's all of these different scenarios. All of those categories are being handled the same way that they were being handled under Donald Trump. You can agree with the policy or disagree with it. You can say we should have some kind of permanent status uh, for uh, so-called dreamers or we should not. You can say I like the wall or I don't like the wall. Fine. Everybody is entitled to that opinion. But in order to really talk about this, we have to acknowledge that funding hasn't materially changed from Trump to Biden. Border staffing hasn't materially changed from Trump to Biden. Joe Biden is repairing existing border barriers. Joe Biden is funding new detection technology for areas of the border that are that are more remote. And as far as policy goes, we have the Title 42 thing, which Trump put in and then Biden's looking at getting rid of. But it's not clear whether so there's that. But beyond that, we have evidence of nothing more than another completely fabricated talking point. That's the truth. The border is not open. Ron DeSantis donors are increasingly worried that he can't handle a national campaign for the Republican nomination, particularly against Donald Trump. And I have to tell you, the evidence is increasingly pointing that way. Think for a moment. We're going to get into the data and the concerns from DeSantis donors in a moment. But think for a moment. On the one hand, you have Ron DeSantis. He's got a new book. He's speaking all over the country. He's going to Staten Island and he's going to Manhattan and he's going all over the place, speaking everywhere, being interviewed, getting tons of positive press from Fox News. And his polling is going down. And meanwhile, you have Donald Trump potentially going to get arrested any day, holding a rally on the 30th anniversary of the Waco siege in Waco, Texas, fomenting violence, all of this stuff. And his polls are going up despite middle of the night, all caps rants on Truth Social and so on and so forth. That doesn't look good for Ron DeSantis. And this is indeed the concern among many DeSantis donors. There's a good NBC News article. Ron DeSantis's donors and allies question if he's ready for 2024. At a recent gathering of 16 prominent Republicans, a number of DeSantis supporters discussed if he should run against Trump or wait until 2028. And that 2028 question we've increasingly been talking about. Many of you have emailed me and said DeSantis, although he looks like he's almost 60, he's only 44 years old. He could wait. He could wait until 2028 when there will be no Trump. He could even wait until 2032 if he wanted to. It's not clear that with the higher polling, he would be willing to do that. But if the polling declines, maybe he would. Um, NBC News writes Ron DeSantis may be missing his moment. A number of his donors and allies are worried 
his recent stumble suggests he may not be ready for a brutal fight against Donald Trump. Some feel DeSantis needs to accelerate his timeline to run for the Republican nomination and begin directly confronting Trump if he is to have any chance of thwarting Trump's momentum. Others believe DeSantis should sidestep Trump altogether and wait until 2028. It is true that with the anticipation having built for months and months now, Donald Trump having announced in the days right after the November of 22 midterms and actively campaigning at this point, his first rally was over the weekend. And we'll talk about that. How long can DeSantis build anticipation at the beginning? You can accurately say he's building anticipation and he's polling strongly as he starts to misstep, as his lack of charisma oozes out of every pore and as his polling starts to sort of drift down. We can no longer call it building anticipation. It's something else. And maybe it is missing the moment. The article continues at a Sunday luncheon. It's not a lunch. It's a luncheon. And that's how you know it's serious business at a Sunday luncheon following the annual Red Cross ball in Palm Beach, Florida. A group of 16 prominent Republicans described by one attendee as a mix of DeSantis backers and Trump skeptics discussed misgivings about DeSantis standing for the future if he tussles with the former president, quote, they liked him. Many of them might even support him, but they thought on balance that his long term future was better without him trying to take Trump head on. He will get scarred up. Um, the article mentions some specific donors, including billionaire shipping goods magnate Richard Uline and his wife, Elizabeth, whose five hundred thousand dollars in combined contributions make them among the most generous donors to DeSantis's 2022 campaign. Um, a person familiar with the strategy around Uline spending said that right now, quote, the brakes are pumped. The polling really made different people pause. A spokesperson for the Ulines is declining to comment. It is absolutely true that the polling is no beauty to write home about. If you look at recent polling, you do see that it's very solid for Trump in just about every way. A very recent Harris X Harris poll has Trump 12 ahead of DeSantis. And that's one of that's one of DeSantis's better standings, to be perfectly frank. Uh, a, a premise poll has Trump 24 ahead of DeSantis among registered voters and 30 ahead among all respondents. Uh, a YouGov poll has Trump 15 ahead of DeSantis. Now, the counterpoint is DeSantis hasn't even announced yet. And having numbers this strong when you're not even running suggests that if DeSantis announces he's going to get a surge, a boost, a swelling, for lack of a better term, of his polling. That may be the case. The problem is, as I mentioned, that's a stronger argument before everybody's talking about DeSantis for four months. And he's doing interviews and book tours and speeches and getting the best possible press he can get from Fox News. Once you have months and months of that, it starts to feel as though his potential is increasingly baked into existing polling and there's less of a boost to be had with an announcement. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's not for me to advise Republicans, nor is anybody asking me to advise Republicans. But my concern for DeSantis from day one has been his lack of charisma and seeming desire to be above Trump when he's asked, well, Trump said this. What are you saying? He says, I, I don't spend my time criticizing Republicans. Uh, fine. That may that may play well in Florida, but it's not striking me as the strongest positioning for fighting Trump in a national campaign. 
I want to hear from you. What do you think about DeSantis's chances as we are about to enter April of 2023? Are they deflating? Can they still be pumped up? Uh, let me know what you think in a comment. We'll follow up and see what's on your minds. Did you know that every year 30 million trees are cut down to meet the demand of toilet paper in the United States alone? Here's something really simple you can do to fight climate change a little bit in your home. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper 100 percent from bamboo stocks, which keep growing forever. No trees are cut down. It's shipped right to your door in plastic free packaging. It's fluffy. It's soft like regular toilet paper. You're not making any quality sacrifice. And for every box you buy, real paper donates to reforestation efforts across America through their partnership with One Tree Planted. So instead of the toilet paper you're currently buying, which cuts down trees and wastes plastic, use real paper actively helping the planet. You can set up a recurring subscription so you're always stocked or do a one time purchase. The average American uses 50 pounds of toilet paper or more every year. Make the easy switch to real paper. You'll get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman. Coupon code Pacman for 30% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pacman Show. The link is in the podcast notes. As many of my viewers and listeners, of course, know, I have many family members who work in the field of mental health. And I think one of the most important things that we can do is to both increase access and reduce stigma when it comes to mental health services. And that's why I am thrilled that one of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it is 100 percent online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists, an important word, therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. You answer a few questions about your needs and your preferences and BetterHelp will match you with a therapist that meets your needs. You can then talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable. Could be text, could be chat, phone, video call. You can message your therapist anytime. You can schedule live sessions when it's convenient. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality. 
you expect from in office therapy, but it's on your schedule and it's at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Pacman. That's better com slash Pacman for 10% off your first month. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman show continues to be funded primarily by our audience. We have something called the membership program. So you get perks in exchange for your support. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. We do an extra show every day for our members. We also provide commercial free audio and video streams of the show for you much earlier in the day than the show is otherwise published as well as invitations to the members only town hall events and a private soundboard uh, for our members where you get the vast majority of the clips I have on my soundboard. The United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Nars. If you want to go to Nars yourself, uh, yes, also another member benefit. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. All right, let's get into what was an insane weekend. Donald Trump held his first official 2024 rally. Now, I know the year is 2023. What I mean is the first rally for his 2024 campaign, and it went bad very quickly. The location was Waco, Texas. We should not ignore the significance of on the 30th anniversary, roughly of the siege at Waco of the Branch Davidians that Donald Trump chose to hold his rally in that very location. And in fact, he opened the rally with totally apocalyptic messaging about how 2024 is the final battle and uh, using exactly that type of disastrous imagery that is often associated with the Waco siege. And 2024 is the final battle. That's going to be the big one. Is it? If you put me back in the White House, their reign will be over and America will be a free nation once again, again, coming as a surprise to many of us that America is not currently a free nation. Very confusing statement. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them. They know that classic and standard fascistic messaging where I alone can fix it. You know, there's never been a movement like this in the That's history true. of our country, probably That's true. in the history of almost every country. Let's hope. MAGA, make America great again, America first, go, whatever you want. But I will tell you, there's never been in history, look at this crowd, as far as the eye can see, we flew over, it was a beautiful sight. As far as the eye can see. Now, the crowd was animated at this early stage of the very, very long rally, but they very quickly settled and quieted down, including when Donald Trump bragged about his uh, passing a brain injury screening test, which many people, uh, I guess, are not finding as convincing as maybe they once did. I said, should I do it or not? And I did it. And you know what? I aced it, got them all right. <laughs> Some of them are tough. And, you know, it was after that, it was after that that nobody called me stupid anymore. It was right. Because I never liked that narrative. I don't like the word stupid, but other people are very stupid. <laughs> he doesn't like the word. He doesn't like the narrative as applied to himself, but he'll immediately apply it to others. Donald Trump did very aggressively go after Ron DeSantis. He even told it wasn't even a sir story. 
it was a he came to me with tears in his eyes story. It's it's beyond parody at this point. Congressman Wesley, that was a good speech you gave. But they've been very loyal. But I'm a loyalist. And and when a man comes to me, tears in his eyes, <laughs> he's at almost nothing in the polls. It's crazy how many men, big, strong guys are constantly crying around Trump. And he's fighting somebody that's at 42 and he's got almost 30 million dollars in the bank. Yeah, he, he was crying like a dog. He said almost nothing. He's got no cash. And I said, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. <laughs> but he fought a little bit like 150. He was certainly no Jim Jordan. That I can tell you. Right. He fought a little bit, just a little bit on impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, meaning on television, because I didn't know him very well. But I saw him, so he came and he really wanted. I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please, please, sir, endorse me. Sir, you're such a good president. I just need the endorsement. I'm dead. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot, because honestly, the secretary of agriculture. OK, anyway, so people just bursting into tears around Trump all the time at another very bizarre moment. Trump claimed that a very famous man recently asked him how he puts his clothing on. People can imagine. I had a man come up to me, a very famous man. Almost everybody probably would have heard of him, a businessman. I saw him about two weeks ago. He said to me, could I ask you, I never even liked him very much, to be honest, but he did say it. He said, could I speak to you for a second? (laughs) Mr. President. Sir. I'd like to ask you one question. How do you take it? I said, take what? Your coffee, sir. How do you take the abuse? How do you wake up in the morning and put on your clothing? How do you put on a shirt? Every single day there. If that ever happened to me, I think I wouldn't know what to do. Well, we're very proud of the former president. He passed a brain injury screening test, and he also dresses himself all by himself every single day. And that alone probably makes him qualified to do something. I don't know. Uh, Donald Trump with a very, um, (laughs) a very important message to women for inclusivity in 2024. I never liked horse face. I never liked it. It's just not It's terrible thing. That wouldn't be the one, right? There is no one. We have a great first lady. Yeah. So uh, a very inviting message uh, of Trump's respect for women there, as you can see, referring, of course, to Stormy Daniels, Donald Trump once again playing up this entire baby bonuses thing. We will support baby bonuses. So many people like that for the new baby boom that will be coming. We need babies. All of this is we need babies. Now, of course, we have a sort of baby bonus already. It's called a child tax credit. Democrats and many on the left want to increase it and make it permanent. It would be a baby bonus. It would be an incentive to have children, which whether you like that or not, it's what Trump is talking about. But they don't want to do that. And much like with NAFTA and USMCA, It seems Trump's plan is sort of like to get rid of what we have and replace it with the exact same thing, but to give it a different name. Donald Trump continuing the attacks on uh, New York uh, Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg calling New York prosecutors absolute human scum. But the two lead prosecutors, absolute human scum. Yeah. 
won a Hillary Clinton lawyer from a Hillary Clinton law firm. Do you believe? Does anybody know why they say Clinton? I I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene says Clinton and she's from the South and Trump says Clinton and he's from Queens. Is it a deliberate sort of pejorative sort of the way some people might say Tulsi Gabbard? I don't know. I don't know who would say that. Uh, what is it? What is it about that? And then lastly, Trump bringing back the creepy QAnon music and bemoaning how airports function. Nation where once revered airports are dirty, they're a crowded mess. You sit and wait for hours and then are notified that the plane won't leave <laughs> and they have no idea when it will. Trump saying this minutes before getting onto his private plane and taking off and flying directly home. So not, not the most relatable moment of the speech. So dangerous rhetoric, a semi comatose crowd as the speech went longer and longer. You know, you wait all day in the direct sun with the fetid porta potties. And next thing you know, the speech finally starts and it's a snoozer. So I I sympathize with the crowd in a sense. I would not go to one of these things. But where I want to go next is someone we know did go to this thing and he stood in the sun and he got some wild material for us. That's Luke Beasley. Let's talk about that next. Uh, our correspondent and occasional guest host, Luke Beasley, whose YouTube channel you can find at davidpackmancom slash Luke, was on the ground at the very, very disturbing Trump rally in Waco, Texas over the weekend. Luke spoke to a number of people. The topics were wide ranging. They included gay marriage. They included crisis actors at Sandy Hook. Yeah, it is 2023. Don't adjust your TV screen. Um, it included philosophical questions about how do we really know anything? And it also included, of course, George Soros. Let's start with the topic of gay marriage. Here is Luke inquiring to a gentleman, and I'm using that term loosely, uh, about gay marriage. Let's listen. So what, what's inherently immoral about gay marriage? It is anti-life and is anti-vital. What do you mean anti-life? It does not produce kids and the marriage itself. Do you think it should be illegal for two straight people who decide not to have kids to get married? No, I believe they should still get married. But then that's anti-life, anti right? It is not anti-life in the same way. Huh? But they're not reproducing, just like two gay people don't reproduce. Well, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Basically, are you talking about people who know they're infertile and yet they want to get married? Is that what you're saying? Any example of that one, too? You're saying ban infertile people from getting married, even straight couples? No, because at the end of the day, they can still adopt kids and raise them. Gay people can adopt kids, right? I don't believe they should. There's been recent reports <laughs> about a gay couple. This is what you call just ping ponging from one topic to another. Gay people shouldn't get married because they can't produce kids. Neither can infertile couples. And also some couples don't want to have kids. Well, but they should be able to get married because they can adopt. But gay people can also adopt. Well, but gay people shouldn't be allowed to adopt. This is you. You really can't good for Luke, but you really can't talk to these folks that is known to abuse their kids. Look up the stats. I can find, you, I can find you about 13 gazillion examples of straight couples abusing their kids. Yeah. So then he goes to the child abuse meme. Um, this is what it was. This it's everywhere. This stuff is everywhere at these rallies. It doesn't make any sense. Here's a guy who's wearing an Alex Jones was right T-shirt 
who repeats a lot of the Sandy Hook conspiracies from more than a decade ago that even Alex Jones has since recanted, although you could argue Alex Jones recanted only for legal reasons. But OK, let's take a listen to this one. So you're saying you don't think Sandy Hook parents were actually being harassed and they had to move on the time, so. which no. you can see they actually had to do that. Pardon you me? think these parents are just lying? I think that uh, do I think they're lying? Man. The question is, are the are the Sandy Hook parents lying that they were being harassed? I really, <laughs> uh, I really want to answer that question, man. Because I don't really. I By the way, it's just so everybody knows, this guy's a Christian, okay? I don't know. I don't know if they're lying. You know, all I know. My point is, when I see a parent crying mm -hmm. because their kid got murdered in a mass shooting, mm -hmm. my first instinct is to trust them. And not the guy who makes money lying about them. Well, what about what about? I mean, I, I do believe that there was people that was uh, what they what I guess they call uh, uh, there were some some crisis actors. I mean, how do you explain that? The crisis actors that there were caught. That's what he was called. See, this is a very interesting moment. How do you explain that there were crisis actors? How, what are you talking about? That's not. You're assuming something that you haven't actually demonstrated. And they were caught in certain different places. I mean, they were, they were in the same places. How do you explain that? Do you, do you trust that government? I don't trust the government, but I trust the facts. Okay. What are the facts? The facts are that parents lost their children, and then a man by the uh, name of Alex Jones lied about that and said there was crisis actors and fed well, you your brain what? with a but, bunch but of nonsense. People, but people took and that and blew it up over something because you know what I believe? I believe the only reason that they're doing this is because they're going to, they've got to take him down. Right. It's all a conspiracy to take Alex Jones down over things Alex Jones chose to say has since recanted and which we know not to be true. Well, it seems like a pretty big unforced error. Then we went to a woman who was uh, very confused, visibly confused, I would even say, about why Trump would be arrested. This is pretty interesting because it gets very philosophical. How do we know anything? How can anything be proven in a court of law? Well, not, I don't even know Alan, who's Alan Bragg and what's Alvin Bragg? Uh, he's the Manhattan district attorney, and he seems to be reportedly considering arresting Trump. On what charges? In regard to the Stormy Daniels hush money payment. So how can they prove that that was actually occurred? See, that's the whole thing where it comes down to how do we know what is true? What is real? And that's where everything in this time comes down to a spiritual reality. So her view is it's impossible to ascertain truth at all. So all we can do is find a religion to follow, which simply tells us what is true. Pretty convenient, I have to say, if it, if it works for you, I can see why that would be much more satisfying and pleasing than understanding the chaos of the real world. The only way you can know what is true is to believe that there's absolute truth. Do you believe the Bible is absolute truth? Ah. You know, the reason America is having a problem is because we need to get back to God. Can I ask a quick question? So if it's not like evidence here, you and I can look at, okay, is this something that occurred? How do we feel about it? Instead, it's a spiritual decision a spiritual, to understand truth, right? So then how, how do you and I come to some understanding of uh, uh, one reality if my spiritual truth who's is different? Who's good, than, who's evil? How I'm do you saying, decide between good and evil? I'm saying if my spiritual, like if spiritually I were to feel that Trump is bad because of his uh, anti-democratic views or actions he took as president and then you spiritually felt he was good, how would we come to some sort of agreement or even understand each other's side if it's not based on kind of empirical information? 
Well, that's a whole big, you could call it a hurricane of a conversation <laughs> that I would love to get into all the nitties and gritties of it, but probably not between here. Time is going to run out by the time we okay. get here. All right. Yeah. So anyway, how do we know anything is really the question. And that's where religion comes in for this woman. But of course, it's like which religion you've got a thousand religions and they very often conflict with each other. Uh, Luke then spoke to the first guy to raise the topic of George Soros. And Luke's pretty slick here in the questions he's asking, sort of trying to get at the anti-Semitic undertones of all of this. The guy kind of dodges it a little. Take a look at this. Look at who's running the country. Our borders are free to come and Who, who's go. Running the country? Uh, Biden, but more like more of his puppeteers. Which are who? Soros, media. George Soros, <laughs> media in general. Yeah. Why is it that you use that particular term puppeteers in relation to Soros? Because uh, uh, he has enough money, he can buy anybody. Hmm. He uh, has. How much money has he given to Joe Biden? I have no idea. <laughs> and there it is. How do you know he's controlling him? Because that's what I read, that's what I hear. And uh, do you believe the election was stolen? No. Hmm. You don't? No. I mean, I, be I believe that there are people probably voted more often than they should, you know? And I believe there's a lot of people who were not registered that did vote. But How do you vote if you're not registered? It, it's never clear. But I think after all- Do you have any evidence done, of those things? I don't have anything. I mean, I have as much evidence as all the other people here. Right. <laughs> In that particular crowd, there's a noticeable lack of evidence. I'm glad the guy's identifying that. Is none. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then, don't you feel it's pretty dangerous to say the election was stolen if you don't have evidence? I didn't say no, no, it was no, stolen. No, no, you didn't. You're right. I'm saying sorry. I meant to specify Trump because he says a lot. Well, the thing is, there, when you're got that much money and stuff, you can sweep a lot of things under the rug until the rug's too full. You right. Know? And that starts losing. But if out. you don't yet have evidence, I could say anything about anything. You're a murderer. I don't have evidence, but you could have sweeped it under the rug. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. When you're a, a politician. You're just sitting there as a target for anybody who wants to accuse you of anything. Wait, I'm confused. If well, I mean, I'm the saying question, the question at hand is this is if you're confused by what this guy's saying, that's the right reaction. Don't okay. you think it's dangerous for people's belief in the legitimacy of our democracy to say it was stolen? It doesn't work anymore without solid evidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he agrees it's extremely dangerous what he's doing. So then for me, I would have a really hard time, even if I liked other policies supporting a political leader, if the most important part of our political process, our democratic institutions and process, is being uh, kind of assaulted by his rhetoric. Yeah, I think he talks too much. Okay, so anyway, yeah, Trump probably shouldn't be saying that, the guy says. Same guy here with another woman. I, I think this might be his wife, but I don't know. Apparently, his wife doesn't believe January 6th is really a big deal that should even really be talked about very much. Agree. Have, have you seen Trump rallies where they start turning cars over and burning them? <laughs> January 6th? Well, no, they, they didn't do it. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, up no. now. Yeah. Oh, don't say that, no, sir. No, we just boo. We don't. Just talk about we're not fighting. Yeah, no. we're disagreeing. No, exactly. no, like we, we believe. Wait, what January do we believe about January sixth? It's all a media. Okay, thing. that it's was two media. years. It's just a media story. It's not even real. Years yeah. ago. Yeah. Why do they keep bringing it up and rehashing it in different ways? I can tell you, because it was an attempt to subvert the will of the people and block the certification of a president who got elected. Nope. See, the guys, it's that simple. Why bother learning about things? Just do what this woman says. You just say no. It was an attempt to subvert the will of the people and install a president who didn't actually win.
No. Wow, that's a pretty good argument, ma'am, I have to say. Uh, And then last clip here. Here's a woman who believes Trump won, but she's very confused. What makes you believe Trump won? Because he has the majority of people. Even though the official vote counts don't show that. Okay. now, did you notice that she says, look around here? There are thirty five hundred people here in Waco, Texas, who support Trump. Clearly, that proves that a country of three hundred and thirty million voted for him. It was a fraud. What people did, they they deceived. Were you saying looking around here helps you to see that the majority is with Trump? Definitely. So we, we love President Trump. The American people love America. Here's kind of a, an analogy. Do you know who Taylor Swift is? Yes. The pop artist? Yes. So I've gone, she's, she's great. I've gone to one of her concerts before, and it's this massive stadium, probably three, four times the amount of people who will be at this event there to see Taylor Swift. And so there it would seem like everyone knows and loves Taylor Swift. But we understand if you polled Americans, it probably wouldn't be a majority who are fans of Taylor Swift. And so that kind of gives you a sense of when you're within a bubble, it can seem like everyone. Good for Luke. He's trying, but it's not getting through. Loves a particular thing or is a fan of a particular person when in reality, the broader world doesn't actually match that. And so we have to look at things like data, um, empirical information, such as our election results to understand what the actual majority wants. He won fair and square. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty convincing, right? He got the majority. He we love. He didn't even get the majority of the popular vote. Him as the American people. He has stood for Israel. He has stood for the unborn. He doesn't drink. Right. He has good morals. He has good kids. He has good grandkids. And we are blessed to have him as the president of the United States. There you what go. You believe hard won. to uh, hard to argue against folks who don't actually care about reality, but they care about. I don't know. It looks like people here like them. It seems pretty good to me. Really nice job by Luke and, and a range of topics, a range of people. Really good stuff. And we'll have all of these clips. If you're just listening today, you want to see what the, the whole scene is like visually. And I do re- recommend that. We'll have these clips up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the David Pakman show. And we'll also have them on our Instagram and on TikTok. These clips are going to be everywhere. Believe me. Imagine for a second that you try logging into your email account only to find that your password was changed an hour ago and then you get notifications of activity from your bank and then your credit cards. That is what identity theft is like. And it's a horrible feeling. And we dealt with it at the show not that long ago. But now I have an app called Aura, which gives me much more peace of mind. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution for keeping your online account safe because Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, passwords, social security number. And you get fast alerts when they find something. You also get fast alerts about credit inquiries. Aura protects all of your devices from malware. Aura even requests the removal of your info from data broker sites. And Aura helps you manage what your kids can do on their devices. You can restrict certain apps, set screen time limits, set focus times when you need them off of devices. Go to Aura.com slash Pacman to try it free for seven days. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there and Aura will tell you instantly for free. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman to try Aura for free. The link is in the podcast notes. 
All right, let's look at a couple of other things from the Trump rally over the weekend. There were a number of esteemed dignitaries and very high profile guests at this rally in Waco, Texas, to kick off the 2024 campaign for Donald Trump. One such dignitary was Ted Nugent and Ted Nugent kicked off the rally in Waco by saying that Russian uh, I'm sorry, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is a, quote, homosexual weirdo, which I have to admit I have not heard before. I didn't authorize any money to Ukraine to some homosexual weirdo. No, I want my money back. Okay, sounding like a whining child. But in all seriousness, as we've talked about before, some of the biggest applause lines among the American right wing over the last two years are overtly homophobic and transphobic lines. And that was indeed the case at the Trump rally. Maybe my favorite moment from any recent rally, including this one, was a guy who got up on stage and instead of promising to fix the supply chain, he said he would fix the chain supply. I've got a plan to fix the chain supply. It's called <laughs> oh, these people, uh, if you if you were uh, aware of the distinct lack of chains that we have in this country, this guy is going to fix it for you. I've got a plan to fix the chain supply. <laughs> it's called reelect Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, very soon chains will be back in the United States. Here's another really interesting moment. Um, one of Trump's attorneys who also moonlights as an anchor for right side broadcasting, Christina Bob, she spoke to a guy who brings up that he served in the Marines. And then she says, oh, What's your MOS? Now, that's just a specialty. It's a it's super general. It's like, oh, avionics or like intelligence. It's super, just super, super general. MOSs are not classified in any way or secret or confidential. And the guy reacts weirdly to the point where five different current and former Marines wrote to me and said, David, this guy's lying. No former Marine would answer this question in this way. You tell me what you think. Is this guy making it up? Here we go. Did you serve? I did. Where did you serve? Marine. Me too. What was your MOS? I was special. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, I flew into places. Okay, where were you? Dark places. Where were you stationed? Well, I, I uh, can't go into detail. Okay. But I can <laughs> this interview is over. It's you... all super, super secret. Now, again, MOS just means military occupational specialty. It's just a super general role. Were you in personnel and administration? Were you in logistics? The guy could have just said I was in intelligence. I was in avionics. I was whatever. It's really tough to tell whether it's completely made up. But again, current Marines wrote to me and said, David, this stuff stinks to high heaven. This guy is just straight up making it up. If he did serve and he's just wacky right now because he's you know infected with the Trump virus, Fine. But uh, v v many uh, members of the military in our audience extraordinarily skeptical about this guy's story. Then a, a January 6th indictee, as I understand it, named Mickey was there and gave a very strange interview is the only way I can describe it. I was in isolation 51 of those days yeah. where I had nothing yeah. but the roof over my head, clothes on my back, food in my mouth, my Lord Jesus my God almighty and the support of a nation. And I knew that in my heart. I knew that my negative 48 family, my Pratsmanian family, the whole world can call us crazy. We don't care. Yeah. 
without my Protzmanian family. Gematria, if you don't know Gematria, A is one, B is two, C is three. Anyway, I'm not going to continue with this. It goes on for a long time, but quite it, it just to the untrained eye, it seems like very, very significant mental illness. Here's another guy who wants to do a citizen's arrest of Alvin Bragg. There is an idea. Alvin Bragg, of course, the Manhattan district attorney who might 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 indict Donald Trump for itself. Arrest Alvin Bragg. Uh, Alvin Bragg is overstepping his boundaries. We the people are calling for the arrest of Alvin Bragg for crimes of treason, election interference. I don't even know if that's a crime, but election interference, (laughs) obstruction. That's the critical moment from the interview. He's furious and he's confident that Alvin Bragg should be arrested. But he's not actually sure whether the things he's mentioning (laughs) to justify Alvin Bragg's arrest are crimes beautifully emblematic of this entire thing of justice, even lying to a grand jury. Trump done nothing wrong. Jury. We're here to show support for the greatest president ever. Donald Trump arrest Alvin Bragg. You know, in South Carolina, you could do citizens arrest. Yeah. So if Alvin Bragg ever comes to South Carolina, arrest them. There you go. So a very, very patriotic idea there. And then um, uh, what else do I have here? He uh, lastly, Here is a woman who says she's a South African MAGA preacher who um, had God come to her in a dream and told her to move to the United States and try to support Donald Trump, which, again, this would likely be medicated in most psychiatric situations. Look amazing. What's your name and where are you from? My name is Lindy Ann Hopley, and I am a South African MAGA preacher. <laughs> no, can, do you live in South Africa now? I'm living in America okay. uh, because God actually told me that there's a revival coming to America. And in the dream that I had, President Trump was in it. So yep, this is totally normal. I'm all about just praying for this country and seeing God get his full reward. That's amazing. Where do you live here in the United States? I'm in DFW. So we came down with a Trump train with all the Texans, you know, going crazy. All the um, truck going crazy is about right. It's just honking and going wild. It's so great to see how many patriots there are and so many supporters of just this great movement. Fantastic. And what is it about President Trump that you love so much? Well, to be honest, I just started dreaming about him. I am, you know, I have a prophetic gift and the Lord yep. started speaking to me about him. Mm-hmm. Totally. not just conversations with the Lord. She's a prophet. And in my one dream, I actually, because I'm totally not political. I'm mm-hmm. a minister. I travel around the world. You had me fooled. <laughs> <laughs> he said, shine your light and don't hide it underneath a basket. So I was a wild party girl and had an encounter with. No, you were. <laughs> I, I don't see it. But what I loved about this is that I actually in one of my dreams, I sat in front of President Trump and I knew he was giving me some type of job. You know, I was yep. kind of like, and I said to um, the Lord in my dream, I said, I don't want to lose my ministry for this. Like- All right. So anyway, as we've talked about before, mental illness, not a joke, very sad, need to increase access to mental health treatment in the United States. Let's leave it there with the South African MAGA preacher. But that is what this is where we are right now as far as the Trump movement. And it is a really scary and sad thing. Donald Trump did threaten death and destruction in a dangerous 1 a.m. rant the other night. This is very scary stuff. Trump posting to Truth Social, quote, what kind of person can charge another person, in this case, a former president of the United States who got more votes than any sitting president in history and leading candidate by far for the Republican Party nomination with a capital C crime? when it is known by all that no crime has been committed and also known that potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for our capital C 
country. Why and who would do such a thing? Only a degenerate psychopath that truly hates the USA. This is Donald Trump saying, if Alvin Bragg indicts me, it will lead to death and destruction for the country. And it will be Alvin Bragg's fault, not Trump's fault for inciting the death and destruction or uh, 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 I guess the people who commit the death and destruction for listening to Trump. Extremely scary stuff. The New York Times reporting Trump escalating attacks raises specter of violence if he is charged um, and mediaite reporting about Donald Trump making a post where he's holding a baseball bat, seemingly threatening himself, the district attorney Alvin Bragg, which Trump subsequently deleted. I hope there is not violence, but I am very worried that there will be because of the direction this is going. My only thought is it actually seems like Trump supporters aren't that motivated to go out and protest and commit commit acts of violence. They seem sort of resigned in a way. Let's hope they are lazy and pacified and don't heed Trump's calls. That's the hope right now. All right, real quick. I don't want to spend a lot of time on cat turd. This isn't really a program where cat turd is a big thing. But Donald Trump hit an absolute rock bottom, rock bottom, new low posting cat turd polls to Truth Social. Truth Central. I managed to get through that mostly without laughing. Yes, Donald Trump in an act of desperation to show how well he is doing against Ron DeSantis in the Republican primary over the weekend posted new poll just out. And when you look closely, you realize that the poll is from the cat. <laughs> the poll is from the, the cat turd. Uh, Twitter account. This is a um, an account that pushes right wing nonsense. It isn't a poll. It's quite literally just like a Twitter survey where a couple hundred thousand followers of cat turd voted. And Trump did have 69 percent of the vote uh, compared to Ron DeSantis's 24. And I don't know that there's really that much commentary to do here other than Trump is posting cat turd in in the middle of the night is not typically the or actually this one was in the afternoon, to be completely clear. It's not typically what you would expect from a former president. Cat turd is not big among Obama. Cat turd notably not big among George W. Bush, but Trump posting cat turd and it's all getting very sad and very, very uh, tragic if uh, if I'm totally upfront with you. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to get to book banning. We're going to get to the regrowth of uh, of toes through prayer and lots of other important things after this very short break. One of our sponsors is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Don't you think it's time you stopped putting smoke and vape oils in your lungs? Zipix toothpicks are a convenient way to curb the nicotine cravings. Zipix toothpicks are super discreet. You can use them anytime, anywhere. Smoking and vaping aren't allowed, including flights, sporting events, in restaurants. They're available in six different flavors with options of two and three milligrams of nicotine. If you're not a nicotine user, 
Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks. Zipix has already helped tens of thousands of customers ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vapes. They might be able to help you too. If you're a smoker or a vapor, give Zipix toothpicks a try. Your lungs will thank you. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com today. Save 10% with the code PACMAN10 at checkout. Just remember, you must be 21 or older to order. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. Use promo code PACMAN10 at checkout for 10% off. That's PACMAN10. The info is in the podcast notes. A book banning Republican is very quickly learning about the potentially unintended consequences of his own actions as a parent is now using the law to try to get the Bible banned. And I have to tell you, it makes a lot of sense. LGBTQNation.com reports book ban lawmaker, quote, very sad. And I don't know why I find very sad to be funny that a parent is using his law to ban the sex ridden Bible. The parents said that if lesser books have been banned, then the Bible, which discusses infanticide, rape and bestiality is not appropriate for kids. I mean, that it makes a lot of sense. A Utah parent reads the article has challenged the Bible under a state law banning pornographic or indecent materials in schools. It has been used to remove books by mostly LGBTQ plus and black authors from shelves in a book challenge submitted to Davis School District. The unnamed parent called the Bible, quote, one of the most sex ridden books around, according to the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Utah State Representative Ken Ivory, who sponsored HB 374, described the request as a political stunt that would rain drain school resources. There was a purpose to the bill and this kind of stuff. It's very unfortunate. Now, of course, that's true. The purpose of the bill was not to actually ban all of this type of content. It was only to ban the content that this guy doesn't like. And that is fundamentally what this is all about. And if we are to say, let's apply their standards, the Bible must be banned. That's the reality. Now, I'm not out there advocating for anything to be banned. But if these are the standards, graphic descriptions of sexual activity. One example is, of course, Song of Solomon seven, one through nine, where a woman describes her lover's body in sensual detail. It's basically a romance novel. Several stories in the Bible are just filled with explicit sexual content, rape, incest, Genesis 19. Angels save Lot and his family from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot offers his virgin daughters to the men to be raped in exchange for their safety. Edgy doesn't really quite cover that storyline, I must say. Ezekiel 2320 graphic description of uh, two sisters engaging in sexual activity with multiple partners. Genesis 38, the story of Judah's son put to death by God for wickedness. And right before he dies, he engages in sexual activity with his daughter in law, who is disguised as a sex worker. Folks, if this is actually the standard, the content and not whether it's Christian content or black content or whatever, then the Bible must be banned. Of course, that is not the point of these bills. I'm sure you understand, but they want there to be a special status for the Bible. And I believe that if we have these standards, they should apply to all reading materials, Bible included.
You know, we often say when it comes to faith healing, I'll be impressed when they can actually regrow someone's amputated limb. Of course, it never happens. We now have a woman claiming that indeed three amputated toes were regrown. Now, there's no evidence her toes were amputated. There's no evidence that anything grew back. They're not providing any such evidence. But here she is. She attends James River Church in Missouri. She claims prayer regrew three toes. It's a miracle. So it had three toes that were amputated in a, in a terrible accident. Right. I heard the word for creative miracles and I thought, well, I certainly have a creative miracle that I might need. I need three toes to grow back. The person next to me said, do you want new toes? And I was like, well, sure. All the women got down and they prayed over my foot and I decided to take my shoe off to see what was happening when he said, let's see the progress or if anything's happened. And when I did, I had to grab the person next to me and say, do you see what I see? And I saw three toes that were forming and now there's length to them. Tonight, I can stand on my tippy toes. Right. Listen, do you understand? I can stand on tippy toes. No, I couldn't do that because I didn't have toes to tippy on. <laughs> It's pretty remarkable stuff, folks, and obviously they're presenting no evidence whatsoever. Here's Pastor John Lindell of the church who says he has the proof, but he's not going to share it with the people demanding the proof because they're not in favor of what he's doing. It's not up to him to validate this stuff. As you know, there's been quite a furor. Uh, I like that. A furor on social media relative to the girl with the toes yep. because her miracle is real. It's genuine. Uh, people are saying, well, if it's genuine, why aren't you why aren't you doing anything with it to publicize it? There's a couple of reasons that I want to say to you. First of all, um, I'm less interested in proving to people what I know God did than I am in protecting sheep who are vulnerable. Right the now, of course, this is total BS and this is where it really becomes BS. He says he's not interested in proving it to people. The whole point of evangelical Christianity is to uh, proselytize. It's to evangelize. It's to bring people in. This is the greatest thing they can do. It's the greatest mitzvah. And of course, I'm using the term mitzvah tongue in cheek because these, they're evangelical Christians. So why would I use the term mitzvah? I understand. It's the greatest thing you can do. The whole point of these religions is to perpetuate themselves by getting people to convert. What would more powerfully get people to convert than proving that you regrew three amputated toes? For comparison, I, I know I've said explained this to people before. Jews, which is the culture I'm from, Judaism, there's no proselytizing. We're not looking to add people to the ranks. Even if someone wants to convert, they're dissuaded multiple times, and it's a very difficult process. So this is a religion that is all about that. Their main point is to spread the gospel. And he has the most powerful tool to do that, that prayer regrew the three toes of a woman whose toes have been amputated. But he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. It's a missed opportunity, my friend. Obviously, it is complete and total nonsense. We don't even know whether this woman's toes were ever amputated. There's no evidence they grew back. There's no evidence of anything. But that is not a big shock to those of us that have been following the faith healing movement for a very long time.
We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a voicemail asking a really interesting question about audio books versus physical books. Hey, David, this is Oli from Dallas. I love all of your book recommendations and I've read quite a few of them. But I've never heard your position on audiobooks. Uh, what do you think audiobooks? Do you think that it's a cheap way of reading a book, or do you think that it's useful for people who are often, you know, busy with a lot of things going on and just want to, you know, hear the book in audio form? Okay, so here's the deal. The answer to uh, are audiobooks as good as physical books? You have to first say, as good in what way? Okay. I read fiction at night before going to bed. The physical process of holding the book and actually reading it is the point. So in that case, my fiction reading at night before going to bed, an audiobook is not a good substitute. If the idea is to get information from a nonfiction book, then the audiobook while driving in the car or at the gym or whatever is a better substitute. So you have to ask yourself, what is it that I'm trying to do with the book or with the information? There is one thing about audiobooks that's not quite as as useful, I would say, which is that the normal way we read, you read a bunch of lines and then you go back half a line and then you double check a word. That's a normal process where you might say to yourself, oh, no, I, I don't do that. I just read straightforward. No, I understand. We do it naturally, particularly with more difficult texts. You kind of read back and go up a line or two. You can't really have that same process with the audiobooks. Now, I get it. You can hit back 15 seconds and hear something again, but it is different in the brain. So the studies that have been done are that audiobooks are great substitutes for physical books in many ways, but it is not the same experience. And so the the answer to the question, is it as good? You have to then follow up and say as good in what particular way we have a great bonus show for you today. We're going to talk about the threats and the suspicious powder sent to Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Brack. We are also going to talk about the FTC getting involved in making it easier to quit gym memberships, gym memberships. And who is Ro Khanna endorsing in the California Senate race? Is it Adam Schiff? Uh, is it um, a Barbara Lee or is it Katie Porter? Well, it is Barbara Lee. We will discuss with you Ro Khanna's endorsement and much more. All of it on the bonus show. Get access by signing up at joinpacman.com. See you then, everybody.